as halachic Jews, we pride ourselves on placing Torah values at the center of our lives. This means both Jewish law itself, as well as the values that emerged from Jewish law. About 24 hours ago in Washington, D.C., both Jewish law and Jewish values were torn to shreds. I don't even want to talk about this or discuss Donald Trump again, but when some of the most conspicuous culprits are members of our own Orthodox communities, I don't feel I have much of a choice. I'm Scott Kahn, and this is the Orthodox Conundrum. This is the Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. A very sad and tragic events in Washington yesterday afternoon are the culmination of the slavish dedication to President Trump shown by so many misguided followers. I am not going to condemn everybody who supported or voted for Trump. As I have said repeatedly on this podcast and elsewhere, if you thought he was the best candidate, then I understand your vote. I'm not claiming moral superiority, chas v'shalom. You did what you thought was best for America. You did what you thought was best for Israel. You did what you thought was best for the Jewish people. However, the denouement that took place yesterday was literally what many of us had been forecasting since 2015, when the possibility of a Trump presidency was first gaining steam. I am not trying to say I told you so. I was obviously hoping that this would be wrong. I don't celebrate my so-called prophetic power prophesying the obvious when the results are so damaging to the United States. What matters to me today is outlining several areas where, I think, well-meaning individuals who supported Trump often went wrong. This is not a comprehensive list. I'm merely mentioning several ideas that have occurred to me today as I survey the wreckage of the Trump presidency and which directly relate to mistakes for which, I think, much of the Orthodox world needs to make an accounting. Let's start off with the death of truth. Yes, the death of truth. Rabbi Hanina says, Masachat Shabbat, Daf Nun Hey, Amud Bet, page 55b, Chotamo Shalakodesh Baruchu Emet, the seal of the Holy One, blessed is He, is truth. Let me say that again. The very seal of God is truth. This does not mean that truth is the highest of all moral values. The laws of Lashon Hara themselves demonstrate that there are values which can, at times, trump truth. Nonetheless, truth is one of the primary values which Jews must espouse. And more than the idea of God's seal, the entire idea of learning Torah, learning anything for that matter, is predicated upon the idea that truth is paramount. It says in Mishlei, Perak Kav Gimel, Emet Kenei Kor, Purchase truth and do not sell it. What does it mean to purchase truth? It means that the cost can be high, but you have to pay it. And why don't sell it? Because it often would be so much easier if the truth were something else. We often wish that the truth were something else. But if we are to be the people who embody the idea that God's seal is truth, the people of Emet, we can't sell truth because we don't like the way it feels or because of some other thing that we'd rather have instead. Truth remains true, regardless of whether it fits into your worldview or Weltanschauung. Let's face the facts. Long before Election Day, Trump told everyone that the voting was going to be unfair, assuming he lost. And then once he lost, 
he proceeded to say that the voting was indeed unfair. He made so many allegations, and so did many members of the Republican Party. These allegations were often brought to court, and, yep, they were uniformly dismissed. The reason is very simple, because allegations absent evidence are meaningless. And believing these allegations without any evidence, again, remember, the courts tossed them out repeatedly as complete garbage, it's a violation of the norm of truth. It's a violation of the Torah ideal of midvar sheker tirchak, distance yourself from a word of falsehood. Does that mean that there was no voter fraud? And that's what's so insidious about these claims, actually. In a country of 330 million people, of course, there's going to be an occasional case of voter fraud. Let's take Trump's call to the Georgia Secretary of State a few days ago. Trump suggested that 5,000 dead people voted. The Secretary of State and his lawyer said that they did investigate this claim. And yes, there were people who voted who were dead. Two, there were two cases of votes attributed to people no longer alive. So now those people who violate the norm of truth can say, aha, there was voter fraud. Dead people did vote. But that's utterly misleading. It's a form of Shekhar Gomor, absolute lies. Two is not 5,000. And an occasional claim of fraud does not mean that there was massive voter fraud and the election should thereby and therefore be overturned. Let me quote Nebraska Republican Senator Ben Sass. He wrote on his Facebook page about a week ago, Yes, we should investigate all specific claims, but we shouldn't burn down the whole process along the way. Right now, we are locked in a destructive, vicious circle. Step one, allege widespread voter fraud. Step two, fail to offer specific evidence of widespread fraud. Step three, demand investigation on grounds that there are allegations of voter fraud. I can't simply allege that the college football playoff selection committee is on the take because they didn't send the Cornhuskers to the Rose Bowl. And then, after I fail to show evidence that anyone on the selection committee is corrupt, argue that we need to investigate because of these pervasive allegations of corruption. He continues, we have good reason to think this year's election was fair, secure, and law-abiding. That's not to say it was flawless. But there is no evidentiary basis for concluding that the results do not reflect the ballots that our fellow citizens actually cast. This is, again, the Republican senator from Nebraska, Ben Sass. Too many of our Orthodox brothers and sisters are willing to fall into that rabbit hole. They believe falsehood, in other words, allegations and more allegations without any evidence, because they want it to be true. Even today, yes, even today, so many are still claiming that the election was stolen after, after Congress after the Senate confirmed the electoral count in every court case, over 60, in fact, was tossed out. Emet Kinney, the Altim Corps, purchase truth and don't sell it. You can't believe what you want to believe because it fits your preconceived notion of how you'd like the world to work. The well-known pundit and podcaster Ben Shapiro, whom I like to think of as a colleague or competitor, but of course he has no idea who I am, he says, and I think correctly, facts don't care about your feelings. That is another way of saying Midvar Sheker Terechak or Emet Kinei Vialtim Kor. The problem is that too many Trump supporters, and this includes many people in the Orthodox Jewish community, will espouse ideas like facts don't care about your feelings, but the facts that they choose are simply facts that they want to be true. In fact, what they're doing is the exact opposite. They're citing Ben Shapiro's dictum, facts don't care about your feelings, 
but they're actually choosing facts based upon their feelings. It's pretty ironic. Here's another example of falsehood. It's a big theory already all over the place that the people who burst into the Capitol were not actually Trump supporters. These were actually, it is said, Antifa, dressing up as Trump supporters, and they were there to give Trump supporters, who are so peaceful, a bad name. So guess what? I know people who recognize one of the guys in the Capitol as a from guy from a neighborhood in New York, and he is not Antifa. He's a Trump supporter. And if you look at the headlines, the unfortunate woman who was shot and killed yesterday, she was not Antifa. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. You can check out her social media posts to see that she was a fervent believer in Trump's conspiracy theories. Purchase truth and don't sell it. A Jewish value which has been trampled upon and which must, which absolutely must be rebuilt. Because in the Trumpian Jewish world, which has taken over too much of orthodoxy, we are witnesses to the death of truth. Another problem is that people in the Frum community inevitably argue that those who attack the Capitol building are not mainstream Trump supporters. And I agree, they are certainly not mainstream Trump supporters. But Harav Norman Lamb Zatzal wrote an essay for the Shloshim of Yitzchak Rabin, Zichron Livracha, after he had been shot by a religious Jew. These are Rav Lamb's words, and they apply to our current world as well. Let us speak the truth, writes Rav Lamb. The Amirs and the Goldsteins, referring to Igal Amir who shot Yitzchak Rabin and Baruch Goldstein who killed 29 Muslims in Hebron. The Amirs and the Goldsteins did not invent their depraved justifications for murder out of thin air. It is true that they were weeds in our garden, but they were weeds in our garden. The atmosphere in certain quarters was heavy with viciousness and intolerance. I know, I know. It has been argued that words are only words, and you cannot blame criminal action upon mere rhetoric. Well, legally you can't, but morally you can. Because if you cannot blame words for maiming and humiliating and degrading, then you also cannot credit words with encouraging noble actions, expressing love, and promoting heroic achievement. And if that is so, all speech is but static. All communication mere clamor and without consequence. And we humans had best learned to shut our mouths and teach and say nothing at all, and thus be no better or wiser than dumb animals. And this demonstrates another problem that is, I believe, a direct consequence of both social media and Trumpism. The fact that words have become cheap and that people from Jews are willing to throw them around in ways that cut, that bully, that cause pain, and those who do so simply don't care. This is purely anecdotal. I have not done a sociological study or investigated the matter in any academic way. But I can't be the only one who has noticed that Trump has normalized bullying in ways that were never acceptable before. That words are just words has become accepted dogma for too many people in the Orthodox community. Some of what I see on social media, written by from people, is so cruel, so mean. Does the anonymity of the internet allow people to violate the serious Jewish value regarding the sacred quality of the word? The word is what God used to create the world. The word is what God used to reveal the Torah. According to Unklis, the word is what makes man unique. It's the essence of what Hashem placed into him when he blew the breath of life into Adam's nostrils. And words yesterday were the impetus for the events on the Capitol, including the death of four people. When Trump told everyone to come 
and said it was going to be, quote unquote, wild. When his son said regarding Republican legislators who would not hand the election to Trump, quote, if you're going to be a zero and not a hero, we're coming for you and we're going to have a good time doing it. When Rudy Giuliani says that it's time for, quote, trial by combat, and then an hour later we see the Capitol sacked and four people killed by the people listening to those words. Can a from Jew really believe that words don't have meaning or consequences? Can a from Jew really continue to talk in ways which he or she learned from the president? And people are still defending Trump for this? Still? What happened to our education? What happened to our values that we defend such loathsome behavior? Let me be clear. Again, I am not saying that people who think that this is worth it for the sake of Israel should not have voted for Trump. I do think that. But the fact that others are willing to ignore his words for the sake of Israel is something with which I disagree, but I would never say is a fundamental moral wrong. What I will say is a fundamental moral wrong and yes, I know I talked about this before the election, is the idea that someone not only voted for Trump, but defends the indefensible and sometimes even celebrates this kind of abominable behavior. Jewish people value words. By celebrating Trump's now murderous words over the past two months and imitating his bullying style and indifference to the hurt that it causes, we are demonstrating a failure as Orthodox Jews. Finally, let me echo something that I discussed in a couple of podcasts about two years ago. It was when I discussed Israeli political parties and a certain rabbi who does kiruv by trashing rabbis he doesn't like personally. You can look up those podcasts if you really like. My larger point is based on a pasuk from the Tzavim. Hanistarot l'ashem elokeinu v'haniglot lanu ulevanenu adolam lasot et kol divrei ha-torah hazot. The hidden things are for Hashem our God. The revealed things are for us and our children forever to do all the words of this Torah. What ultimately happens, in other words, is not up to us. Those are the hidden things that belong to God. What is up to us is the part that we can control, namely, to follow the divine will by keeping everything in the Torah, by following halacha and imbibing Torah values. To me, this ultimately means that the ends don't justify the means. And this is an area in which, as I said in those podcasts, many Orthodox Jews, I'm afraid, need a refresher course. And one example of that relates directly to the President of the United States. Because over and over I hear, with reasonable justification, that Trump was the best president ever for Jews because of what he did for Israel. And I'm not going to deny that what he did for Israel was often really, really good. Moving the embassy was tremendous. At the time, I was very nervous about it. I live in Israel. I was afraid of another intifada, and I was wrong, and I'm really happy that he was right and I was wrong. The Abraham Accords are a tremendous achievement. And lest people who don't like Trump say he doesn't get credit for it, remember Harry Truman's wise dictum that the buck stops here. It means that Trump gets the credit, and deservedly so. It happened under his watch. And I could continue with the list. Maybe that is worth accepting Trump's bullying his behavior, the fact that, frankly, he's a maneuver, a pretty disgusting human being. But let's look at it forthrightly. It's not as though the choice were Trump versus an Israel hater. It's not really this binary choice like that. Joe Biden is no enemy of Israel. It's not as though it's either Trump 
or say goodbye to Israel, chas v'shalom. People often treat it as though that's the choice. It very much is not the choice. Some of what Israel received over the past four years was wonderful. But I can't help but ask if the embassy, for example, were not moved to Jerusalem. But on the other hand, fewer Jews had become morally problematic with their defense of the indefensible, their disparagement of truth, with their bullying and cruel words. Isn't this another case of the ends of the embassy justifying the means of poor moral behavior? Would we be worse off, truly, if the embassy were still in Tel Aviv, but more Jews were careful about sensitive speech and avoiding cruelty? What would have happened? I don't know. The hidden things belong to God. But I'm not supposed to ask what would have happened or what will happen. As a Torah Jew, the question I'm supposed to ask is how can I best fulfill the Torah? How can I best express Torah values? And I can't help but question whether these authentic benefits are really worthwhile. Every morning, we open up the brachot before Kriyat Shema with a description of God. Yotzer or uvorei choshech, oseh shalom He forms light and creates darkness, makes peace and creates everything. It's a close paraphrase of a verse from Yeshayahu, Perak Memhei, chapter 45. It's clearly a theological statement rejecting dualism. The idea that there is a separate and independent evil force apart from God and not under God's control. After what we saw yesterday and its aftermath, I'm afraid it's clear that dualism is alive and well in the world, and yes, also in the Jewish world. Too many Jews practically believe in Lucifer and the devil. He's the political opponent, the person whom Donald Trump says to hate. Remember, Donald Trump repeatedly says, it's not just that the election was stolen. He said that the people on the left know this better than anybody. He claims that the opponent is the enemy. The dualism, which we see, leads to trashing enemies because they're literally evil. This is a dualism which lacks all nuance. Everything is black and white. It argues that in the service of the good, truth is malleable. This is a dualism which refuses to see the Telem Elohim, the image of God, in our opponents, instead treating them as enemies, as evil. Yesterday we witnessed something none of us has ever seen before, but something which, frankly, a lot of us had a feeling would happen. Yesterday, we witnessed the consequences of the death of truth, the consequences of ignoring the power of words, the consequences of caring about the ends and using any means to get there, the consequences of a Judaism which is slipping back quietly into a belief in dualism. Trump is gone in 13 days, but the consequences of Trump and Trumpism will remain unless we call them out. And that's what I, in my own very small way, am trying to do tonight. Thank you for joining me. Please join the New Orthodox Conundrum discussion group on Facebook, where in the few days since it opened up, we've had some really interesting discussions about what orthodoxy needs to do to help us better fulfill Torah values. Subscribe to this podcast, and please rate and review the Orthodox Conundrum on Apple Podcasts. That will really help us out. Check out jewishcoffeehouse.com for all of our terrific podcasts, including Intimate Judaism, Chochmat Nashim, The Maimonides Minute, Let My People Eat, The Francisca Show, and more, plus my blog, The Scott Conversation, and my brother Gabe Kahn's blog, Avenue GK, coming next week. And finally, 
please subscribe to Jewish Coffee House's Patreon page, where you can get bonus episodes, merch, and more. We've just started a new series there called Intellectual Spirituality. It's now going deep into the mystical meaning of Lachadodi, available exclusively for Patreon subscribers. I'm Scott Kahn. This has been the Orthodox Conundrum on JewishCoffeeHouse.com.